0: Welcome to the Purple Talk Podcast on NBC Sports California. I am James Ham, and joining me today is Mr. Doug Christie. Doug Christie in the car. What's up, DC?
1: <laughs> What's up, pastor?
0: Man, not a lot. I just got off the a conference call where we actually got to speak to Luke Walton. It was interesting. He's in lockdown. Uh, he allows his uh, his son for every right answer he gets on his math homework. Uh, he allows his son to bean him with a with a volleyball. What are your thoughts on that, oh, Doug
1: Christie? Uh, I would be studying the hell out of my math work <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I, oh man, I'm, I'm spiking all over, Luke, baby. Uh, I hope his son. Hey, hit your boy. Yeah, do a little tutoring. Make sure you're studying all your times tables. I mean, that is that is. Well done, by Luke. That is great parenting right there. You know what? You want to release a little anger on me? I mean, reel
0: off, reel off those times tables, man. Yeah. See, you and I, Doug, we can't do that anymore because our our boys are too big, and it will hurt. Oh, no chance. <laughs> no, no, no chance. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Doug, uh, first and foremost, what are you doing to to kind of keep your mind going during this time? Because I know it's been Um, It's just been such a crazy... I I don't even know how long it's been at this point, Doug. I've lost track of what day of the week it is. Um, You know, Doug, I wait wait at the door every day to see if I get Amazon packages because you just don't know when anything's coming now. And you're like, I'm at a point where, Doug, I don't even know what could be in the boxes when they do show up uh, because it's been so long. (laughs) (laughs) And I've ordered so many things. I'm stir-crazy. Uh, how are you passing the time?
1: You know, uh, so my wife and I, been been watching. She had us on Homeland. We caught all the way up. Uh, then we started Billions, so we're rolling through Billions right now. Uh, you know, I still do the radio from 3 to 7, some days 3 to 5, just depending on what they got going on, um, which has been a bit refreshing, actually, because, Many times when Grant and I talked to, for instance, if we talked to you, and we talked to you many times and you've helped us out, but when you come on, we would talk about the Kings and what's going on with the Kings and what are they going to do in the next game and what happened in the last game and what about De'Aaron Fox and how's Buddy Heald. And, both. and now when we talk to sportscasters so I and mean we've had some authors on like Harlan Coben and, you know, different people, It's been refreshing because it's kind of autobiography, autobiography of the person. You know, you're talking about how they got started. Why do they enjoy this part of it? People who helped them along the way, and we do talk maybe about, you know, if you're the New York Knicks like Mike Green, we talked about the Knicks uh, maybe for one question, if if that. But the rest of it was life stuff and. I think it's been refreshing. People have uh, enjoyed hearing it. So that kind of gives me a little reprieve daily also, you know, pop out. I just go from A to B, do my show, come on back home. And uh, then I'm bench watching and, you know, I do a little workout as well.
0: I'm going to have to take on that Billions. I, I haven't done Billions yet. I, I am caught up on Homeland, which has been outstanding the entire series. Um, so, Doug, I – you know, we talked about this before. I built a greenhouse. That was my my first project. Then we redid the laundry room. Uh, I did new flooring, okay. painted the walls, painted the cabinets, uh, you know, dropped in a a new pan underneath my washing machine. Then I built a glass surround around my, my bathtub. Um and then
1: Damn. and then I am the builder.
0: Yeah. And then uh I started building a raised planter bed because I've got too many vegetables. My eyes were bigger than my greenhouse when I was choosing, <laughs> you know, what seeds to sow. Uh, so now I right? built I built a giant U shaped uh, planter box. At, uh, and then yesterday I built my first uh, fence gate. So because we have deer everywhere up here, and they'll just eat all my veggies. So a U shape. Okay, okay. I've got it surrounded with uh, with three foot tall like webbing, and then now I can I can walk inside the U shape shut the gate behind me and the deer can't get to all my stuff
1: oh look at you look at yeah. you can i lease out uh can i can i lease out a three foot spot for some tomatoes and some mint and onions and uh cucumbers carrots that
0: sort of thing i've got so much stuff girl and doug i don't, i will have to uh i'll i'll have to drive down and we'll social distance i'll leave it like sitting in the middle of a parking space and drive away and you can come up and grab all the vegetables once it's time. Hey,
1: I'll meet you I'll, I'll meet you halfway, you're driving on one side, I'm driving the other, I'll stick the golf club out, <laughs> you drop it on there, we'll keep it moving, man.
0: That's right, and hey, for all of you out there, uh, if we have uh, a lot of men listening, I found this amazing thing that happened. I haven't cleaned my garage in like two years, and I just keep piling, and uh, I'm a tool guy, I have so many tools because I do all these projects, So, Doug, I found that if I let my garage go to hell in a handbasket, I was able to show my wife garage cabinets on the internet and say, hey, look, if I had these garage cabinets, I'd have somewhere to clean up the garage. (laughs) So today, Doug, I had beautiful, I have a whole 16-foot wall of garage cabinets. Now, I have to install my uppers, but uh, that's a trick that I will teach all of you out there Uh, you know, buy your wife, one of those books where it tight, you know, where she learns how to tidy up
1: organization, uh, yes, organization
0: book. And then (laughs) you turn it on her. You say, look, if I had garage cabinets, so now I have these incredible, uh, garage cabinets that came on a giant pallet today. And uh, I was, I I was such a kid in a candy store, Doug. It was nuts. I was, I'm almost embarrassed. I was so excited about my new garage cabinets. Um. Anyway, Doug, let's get to some basketball. Uh, While we haven't got to watch any fresh basketball, we have had our replays. Um, uh, Tonight, uh, Wednesday evening, we're doing the the mic'd up game, uh, wire to wire, which should be fun for Kings fans to listen to because we had Kent Bazemore, I think we had Harrison Barnes mic'd up, but it was against the Warriors, so... There's a couple of Warriors like Steve Kerr was mic'd up and uh, I I think Jordan Poole was mic'd up. So that's one thing. Um, But I I think the entire country, uh, they have moved past Tiger King and they are now watching the incredible Michael Jordan uh, final season. Um, What is it, The Last Dance, is that what it is? Uh, Mm -hmm. What is your take, Doug? You're, you're a guy who actually got to suit up and go against Michael Jordan uh, more than once in your career. Uh, what is it like to watch him uh, play again on a court?
1: You know, it, it's, man, it, you know, I was texting back and forth with uh, my good friend Jamal Crawford in, in Seattle, and we were just kind of going back and forth about it. I'm glad that people, especially millennials, get to see Michael. Um, what I, I kind of don't like is all the, the comparisons everyone has there. You know, in, in my opinion, Michael is, is the greatest of all time. As far as a competitor, uh, he, he really ushered in um, weightlifting. If the game was, he had to adapt, he adapted to the game, the physicality of the game. He adapted and he, he did the weightlifting, ball handling. He he could do everything on top of the fact on the defensive end of the court. But to watch some of his footwork, to watch his moves, to see the mindset behind the things that he was willing to do um, and the sacrifices that he was willing to make, to make himself, to turn himself into ultimately what a lot of us consider as the greatest player of all time. I, I, I'm in, I'm enjoying it immensely, man. I, I can't wait till these next ones when they're talking about the Pistons and, uh dennis rodman and all these different things because it was fascinating to watch how that thing came together and michael in a lot of ways paid his dues i mean it took him a while before you know they ultimately i think made the playoffs that second year but to really take it to that championship level you know he, he he paid his dues and at the same time his dominance man it was it was next level so i'm glad personally that people are getting to see it and getting to see it is one thing, but experiencing it was something totally different. Michael is, he's special, man.
0: Yeah. It's amazing to watch. Um, I I did get to see Jordan play when I was young. Uh, Doug, it reminds me, I, I, uh, I read this story and it was absolutely phenomenal. It was so well done. I can't remember uh, the name of the author, Um, but I, I don't, did you see this? There's a, uh, a kid who had videotaped Kobe Bryant's first game in high school. And so he has this, this, you know, grainy, uh, early nineties videotape of, of, of Kobe Bryant playing his first high school game ever. And basically (laughs) the story goes that, uh, you know, he had like brought a video camera and he wanted to, to film it, and then he actually years later got Kobe to come to his business, sit down, and they did like a side by side. They they videotaped Kobe watching himself on screen, uh, which wow. you know of course it means so much more now. And the reason yeah. I bring this up is the story has this really really sad twist, and it's not the Kobe Bryant death. It's that the kid who went against Kobe and scored 16 points and talked about how, you know, this was his life, right? This Like he walked around the rest of his life telling everybody about the time he scored 16 points on Kobe Bryant. And it's just this incredible story. Um, Well, he passed away on 9-11 in the towers, The, the kid who'd scored 16 points. And uh, I know, again, it's, it's horribly sad, but here's where I'll bring it back to what we're watching with Jordan. It's that uh, his parents hadn't seen footage. They didn't have a video camera. They, it was pre-cell phone where everybody had video on their phone. So they hadn't got to see their son play basketball in, since you know, in 19 years, but really even more than that, it was since he was in high school. And so they were able to get the footage to that family and they were able to watch their son. And there's a difference between seeing a picture of your son and seeing him move, seeing his mannerisms, seeing the way that he carried himself. That I think, uh, you know, again, to bring it back to the Jordan thing, I think what people are seeing, this young generation that just really doesn't have a grasp of who Michael Jordan was you get to see him actually move and talk and develop and show sides of himself that that you just don't get, you know, and you don't get it from, you know, maybe watching a YouTube clip of him or something. And I don't even think people do that. I think they watch YouTube clips of other people. So if you can find that story, I say go out and find it. Uh, I think I retweeted it like a week ago. Uh, but I think it, it's allowing people to see sort of what it was like to see Jordan at the end of his career, but going back and seeing other things, watching him at North Carolina hit that final shot. and They've got James Worthy talking about it, watching Scottie Pippen talk about it. I, to me, I just think it's a, an interesting way that I've looked at it. I've looked at it differently than I think I would have, the different perspective, um, just appreciating watching Jordan and his motions and the way he conducts himself.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's it, it's so much more deeper on a lot of levels because when you think about Mike and the way that he influenced the game from the garb, meaning the, the baggy shorts, the colorful shoes, uh, I, I mean, it, Jordan came out with his, his own personal shoe, which then made it, it possible really for everyone else to start getting their own shoes. Now, you know, magic had the weapon and bird had the weapon and, you know, Dr. J had a, had a, a converse as well, but nobody quite like Mike did it. And to, to watch, you know, what he's given the game, because I grew up running, playing come fly with me in college over and over and over and I'd sit there for hours and I would watch it and watch it and that's the same thing that Kobe did and it's the same thing a lot of people did but nobody was able to really you know he influenced the game in so many different ways from that six 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 five six seven wing player being in vogue and dominant to uh, the uh, the fadeaway shot, even though he was one of the only ones that was making it, other people tried to shoot it, and that's supreme athleticism. And then finally, you know, I, t- I watched it. Everybody watched it, him, but not really until he, like, passed that information on to a guy like Kobe. You could see Kobe's game start to evolve. Kobe grew up watching it. But when he talked to Mike and Mike gave him – pointers, and he didn't do that for everybody, but he, he did it for Kobe. You could see how Kobe's game began to to evolve, and he he's, man, Mike was a special kind, man. I tell you, uh, I think we talked about it before, is, you know, he never cried to the referees, man. I You know, we played and battled and elbowed and pushed and held, and never once did he take it personal towards me. Never once did he complain to the referees. He handled it on his own, and Man, I I just this won't even really do it justice, but it's going to be the most justice that can be given at this particular time because this is a film that was filmed in 5K during that time because they allowed them unprecedented access to
0: it, and I I am so glad that they did, man, because uh, he's a special, special player. Doug, what's your favorite moment playing playing against Jordan or an interaction with him? What's your favorite?
1: You know, I I saw him, my wife and I saw him at the very first BET um, Awards. They were in Los Angeles, and we were walking, and he just said, hey, Doug. And first of all, man, Mike says, hey, you know, he recognizes you. And I walked over and gave him love. It was right at that time when I was dealing with the stuff here with the Kings with my foot, and uh, he said, how's it going, man? And I said, everything is good, you know, dealing with this foot, surgeries. He said he looked at me and, and waited and looked right in my face. And he said, man, just make sure that you get yourself totally right. And I didn't, but I, I tried to. Um, and just, man, being able to talk to someone who, as a kid, you you idolized and watched and tried to emulate in a, in a lot of different ways. And, and then just competing against him, to be honest with you, man. Watching, there was a time in in Washington, you know, that was the end of his career, but he had the game down so far that he was able to be so efficient. You know, I'm outside of his sphere about three or four feet. I stick my hand in, he gets down in a triple threat position. I take my hand out, he stands back up and relax. And I'm standing there thinking, did he just do what I thought he did? So I put my hand back in and he did it again. And it was just those those type of things. um, you know, signing uh, a program for my daughter to, you know, giving me the shoes that same game. Um, just man, it's it's it, we're blessed to have this stuff, man. and i, I am
0: I am blessed to have been able to don the same court as uh, in my opinion, the greatest of all time. So wait, you're telling me that somewhere you have a pair of shoes that Michael Jordan gave
1: you? Oh yeah, they're at the house. The the ones that he had. Matter of fact, the game that we played in the Wizards that I'm talking about, I asked him and he he signed those shoes and I have them at the house. My son tried to wear them one day. I'm like, dude, are you a freaking messing? What is wrong with you? <laughs> um, but uh, I would have actually had the fifty the fifty five point game in the Garden. I would have had those shoes. But Monty Williams. Asked Charles Oakley before I did, so Monty got those shoes from uh, from MJ when he scored fifty five in the Garden, man. But uh, I can't wait. This is it, it's great. Uh, it's it takes me back in many ways to uh, so uh, young Doug Christie in college and high school, watching him and just trying to suck up all the information, and uh, it's great.
0: man. Did you suit up in that Knicks game? Were you were you part of the? Oh yeah. Did yeah, you
1: yeah. did you play against him when he dropped 55? No, no, I watched every every bucket right there from the from the sideline. Uh that was John Starks and Hubert Davis got the boatload of that, but it was it was spe- I mean, man he's one of the first like footwork like he, he mastered footwork in a way like you look at his efficiency like when he's in practice and he's like in his first or second year and he's he's putting pump fakes on Iceman George Girvin and just getting by and I'm like godly man fundamental footwork just precise is all giddy up man and that's I think part of what he passed on to Kobe because Kobe's footwork was absolutely impeccable. But those are the things that someone has to give you. And Mike went through and he figured now, not that there weren't people that came before him, but Mike was able to grab all of that and, and start to mold it into this whole thing that uh, a lot of people were able to benefit from it.
0: Well, I know you've got to go and get on the radio, but there, there's another Avenue of this, of this discussion uh, of this film that I think was really so focused on in in the second episode, and that is the Scottie Pippen situation. Um, you've been in the league a long time, and you know there is a hierarchy of who gets paid and who doesn't. And you know there are guys like Scottie Pippen was the only one who signed a, a seven year deal. Uh, you know guys like Mitch Richmond had to play out the final years of his contract, very unhappy. Is that just uh, like it, it's part of that era of basketball that there was. They took away the ability to renegotiate, um, but is that surprising to you to like, see the, the way that the Dirty Laundry is aired and the way that that comes up in the, in the film?
1: No, because in that era, man, seven year deals were, that's what you wanted. Oh, I can sign a five year deal. I signed a seven year deal. And then smartly, uh, LeBron came and he kept it to two year deals and three year deals and four year deals with a two year option that he then had the leverage to continue to move. And as that leverage came and as the, the NBA grew, which it absolutely did, Scotty didn't take advantage of it because he didn't have an out or he didn't have anything. So when you don't have that you're not able to take advantage of the, you know, the compensation going up and things continue to improve. So, you know, it's, man, that was, it was crazy. I signed a seven-year deal with a four-year option when I was with the, uh, when I was with the Raptors, I believe it was. And, you know, you're, you're excited about it, but you, you out, Perform it the way that Scotty did, and then it was unfortunate that he was never. I mean, he made money, but not the type of money that he would have probably been able to make had he been able to leverage his situation.
0: Yeah, Doug. Like we'll finish with this because I know you got to run. But I believe that as far as NBA salary, he actually ended up making more than Jordan over his career. Um, even Jordan got. Those... I think
1: he made 109. Is the is the ter- is the, the number that I heard. Uh, now I could be incorrect. I know Jordan played for thirty-three a year for the last couple of years when he was in Chicago, but yeah. Mike's thing wasn't about buzzing about contract though him because he was making so much money from from Nike that that money was play though.
0: Yeah, Nike, Gatorade. Uh, th- I, there was a point where I, I believe I read he was making eighty million dollars in endorsements, and he was making three million as a basketball player. Um, yeah, wow it's absolutely crazy it was it was so much money he was raking in as really the face of of the nba so uh incredible stuff all right doug we'll be back again uh hopefully later this week we're going to try to get a second podcast in uh but thanks for dropping by and uh, we'll touch base soon okay
1: you got it man go king
0: all right that's going to do it for this edition of the purple talk podcast on nbc sports california we will be back as soon as possible. We know you're hungry for stuff. And hey, shout out to my friends at the King's Herald for getting uh the old Sactown royalty crew has has got their site up and running. Uh they're currently running a uh a, a deal where you can give to the uh Sacramento Homeless Shelter or Sacramento Food Bank. That's what it is. Uh so glad to hear, you know, Akis, Greg, Kevin uh all of you guys uh out there in the king's herald world blake ellington uh it's great to see you guys back up and running and uh, i hope to see you guys all soon uh so again for doug christie i'm james ham thanks for tuning in to the purple talk podcast